Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make him the cutest that I've ever seen. Give him two lips like roses and clover. And tell him that his lonesome nights are over. Sandman, I'm so alone. Don't have nobody to call my own. Please turn on your magic beam. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is Walter Bosley. Walter is a world traveler, author, and explorer of extraordinary phenomena. He was born in San Diego, California, and attended SDSU, where he earned a BA in journalism. Walter has served as a counterintelligence specialist during the final years of the Cold War for the FBI. He then served as a special agent with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, running counter-espionage operations. After nearly 20 years of national service, Walter became a licensed private investigator in California and a personal security and anti-terrorism consultant for corporate and private clients around the world. Walter spends his time writing fiction and nonfiction, as well as investigating strange mysteries in between PI assignments. Walter, welcome. Welcome, Walter. Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to our talk tonight. Yes, this is, this is quite exciting. <laughs> I already told you how excited I am. Um, well, let's just, let's dive right into Nox Mente. Um, tell us a little bit about the world you grew up in, and if we can pull into the deepest, earliest memories. Those are the best. The landscape, um, things that influenced you through media, and also what, if any, religion you may have been um, in touch with or part of. Hmm. Okay. Well, <laughs> as far as landscapes, what's interesting is um, the background is my dad was from West Virginia. My mom is from Alabama. They met when he was in the Air Force and the Air Force had brought him to California. My, you know, they, they loved it. So they stayed. My sisters were born in the Inland Empire in Loma Linda, but I was born in San Diego. And um, later on, I can tell you about um, in the research I've done connected with telluric current or colloquially called ley lines. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was, my parents were living, there, there's a big spiral of this energy coming out of San Diego from Point Loma specifically, uh, very specifically the Cabrillo Monument statue. And where they were living was on the spiral. And the hospital I was born in was on another point in that same spiral of energy. Now, I've always had oh, wow. a, personal, <laughs> uh, a personal connection and love for San Diego. It's where I would often go to just kind of reset my psyche. But shortly after I was born, um, they moved to West Virginia. We all moved to West Virginia. I was just a little baby. And I spent the first probably three years of my life there, I think, almost four. And we returned to Southern California. So um, we, we lived in basically the Inland Empire. We, we lived in a place called Rialto, then in Riverside, California. And then we went back to West Virginia. So I had this California by the sea where I was born, which I think mm -hmm. kind of sets certain things, you know, in you. And then to West Virginia, which was very rural and wooded. It was specifically mineral wells, Mothman country. For oh, wow. Familiar with you know, yes. Keel and um, his writings, but Woody Dernberger and Mothman and all that. Um, and then returning to Southern California and the Inland Empire, which of course I've written about and discovered all sorts of weird things about. And then again, that returning to West Virginia that second time, and then returning to California to the Inland <laughs> Empire. And uh, I eventually finally uh, transferred from Valley College here in San Bernardino to San Diego State. And that was the first time I had lived in San Diego since I was born. And I loved being down there. Um, and after I got out of college, returned to the Inland Empire, and I know I'm going on and on, but this is the life I've had. And I, this stuff is important environment. Yes, I agree. By the time I started working for Uncle Sam, of course, that took me from starting in the LA office to going up to the Bay Area where I was for a little over a, um, a year or so uh, for the FBI, uh, living in San Jose, but working in San Francisco. And then... Um, I went back to Baltimore, which interestingly, my family centuries back, that's where um, the Bosleys entered the U.S. in the 17th century was Baltimore. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I, what's weird is I had kind of a similar connection to Baltimore that I have to San Diego. When I got back to Baltimore, I loved it. It felt natural. It felt, you know, um, and I'm very much a, a Southwestern, California Western guy, you know in every sense but I loved Baltimore and from there I was in New York for three years lived on Long Island and worked in Manhattan um, and of course Long Island is where Montauk is and yes. also other where on Long Island um, in Suffolk County my gosh uh, lived in uh, West Babylon lived in Smithville <laughs> lived in uh, Kings Park for a while <laughs> I have, I my families are out like in Port Jeff and uh, oh yeah, yeah and, Port Jeff okay. and uh, like Copeg. Oh yeah, okay. Hung out there yeah, quite a fact, lot. I, I, I can still remember the train stops. You know, <laughs> Deer Park. <laughs> I, Deer Park was where I wake up because I knew Brentwood was next. My my son's mother, my wife at the time, she's from Brentwood. She's a Brentwood girl, and um, so after New York, I went into the Air Force. And my first assignment was back in California at Los Angeles. So I was in San Pedro there and uh, back by the sea. Um, and then I went to 
Wright Patterson for three years. So I was mm. in Ohio mm-hmm. at Wright Patterson <laughs> and all that. And I loved it um, more than I thought I would. And then returned to California, the Inland Empire. Well, no, briefly back in the San Diego area, but essentially settled in the Inland Empire again. But for about six years, I was going all over the world to a different country um, for a month at a time, about seven or eight months of the year, whether it was Central Asia, North Africa, the Middle East, South America, Far East oh, Asia, nice. literally. So I was getting all these influences. And yes, that's wonderful. Things in the mix there. And, and on top of that, I've had a very weird life in, you know, the paranormal regard. So wait, when you said you were in Frisco, San Francisco, what year was that that first time? I uh, transferred up there in September of 88. Okay. And then um, left there to go to Baltimore in October of 89. I, I always says because I was there in the eighties too. So that that's I love it in '88. It's changed oh, it's, a lot. It's not the same city at all. No, no. <laughs> it's a different city. I what, don't like how they turned Fisherman's Wharf into just a big corporate mall. That really isn't that terrible. Disappointed me. It's lost its. It's creepy now. Je ne sais quoi. So what? And okay, so back moving back again mm-hmm. into the past. What things influenced you that were saying pop culture, like um, TV shows and all that? <laughs> my love my number one genre in film and my love of horror film is thanks to my dad because we would go to just about every different drive-in theater out here in the inland empire growing up and it was always horror films now when i say horror films i don't like the stock and slash blood and guts like i hate zombie films the psychological Mark. stuff yeah well, oh it's supernatural you know, yes. I like the classic Universal Monsters. I like ghosts. Yes. Uh, devil movies scare the hell out of me in that good way. Yes, you know, absolutely. Uh, like, I've never been able to watch The Exorcist all the way through. I'm in that generation. Uh, but, um, yeah, I love the uh, paranormal, supernatural type horror films. So that was a huge influence, obviously. Um, and when I was a little kid, my babysitters would watch Dark Shadows on TV. So there was that. Um, so anything spooky, scary, but also... You know, when I was a little kid, the earliest things I can remember were, um, you know, that Irwin Allen stuff, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Land of the Giants. Oh, yes. Oh, um, I love my, Land of the Giants. Um, but there was also Bonanza. I mean, I was yes. a little kid. My dad would watch Bonanza. I would watch that. So the Westerns and the science fiction spooky stuff. But but the real seminal stuff for me when I was a kid was, if you're a certain age, you'll remember when um, the Night Stalker movie first aired. Of course. Uh, and that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But, but the Spielberg film Duel with Dennis Weaver and the truck and, um, you, you know, anything that was weird like that. I was more of an Outer Limits guy than Twilight Zone, honestly. Um, oh, Is it oh. because it was Outer Limits was color and? Well, no, it, it, it was black and white in its first run. Was it? I only remember yeah. it in color. Uh, well, I'm a little older than you, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it was black and white, and those are the best ones, honestly. Um, the the later redos. Twilight Zone's great; it's classic. But I was just more of an Outer Limits guy. But another thing, a movie that really um, I just remember from childhood. My dad and I would watch it every time it was on TV. It's titled Carnival of Souls. Oh my God, I love Carnival of Souls. Uh, <gasps> well, here's the weird thing. I'm getting goosebumps. You can't see them, but good God almighty. Um, my whole arm. Uh, 
after I did the Empire of the Wheel books, um, I discovered so many synchronicities with Carnival of Souls to the point that I felt like the reason maybe I connected with that film was because it was the ghosts of um, the Empire of the Wheel talking at me. It's, oh, my. Um, but then I've discovered other things where, look, this thing I wrote about called Empire of the Wheel, I think was an open secret. And I'm not going to go off too far on this, but I think it was an open secret, particularly among writers and maybe in Hollywood for some reason, because mm -hmm. it happened out here. And, you know, a lot of writers would come out here to the mountains or San Bernardino when it was a nice place um, yes. in the silent days and stuff. But um, there's a few films that I think they were aware of this thing I wrote about that happened a hundred years ago and somehow it influenced their stories. We're talking Raymond Chandler. We're talking Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. yes. Oh, and, Chandler's uh, but, master. But these, these are the things that, um, you know, in, in childhood, you know, Carnival of Souls, things like that. And then as I got older, things like, um, uh, oh, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. I think I've seen that beginning to end about... 12 or 15 times because I was a media aide in high school and we had it on tape okay. and we just sit there and watch it. Um, uh, but uh, seminal films for me were um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was the biggie. I liked that much more than E.T. Yeah, uh, I agree on that. The two that um, Blade, Runner. Yeah, Blade Runner. Blade Runner is pivotal. I was going to suggest one that possibly might be one of your shaping ones because it was mine would be uh, The Last Starfighter. Uh, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It wasn't as deep an impact on me, no. you know, in there. Right. Altered States. Altered States. Let's, Altered States, amazing. Yes. Yeah. When I saw Altered States the first time, that was for what 2001 was for the generation before mine. Mm -hmm. Altered States was for me because I remember sitting in there just blown away from, you know, from beginning to end and not just the, the obvious crazy wild stuff, um, right. but uh, uh, William Hurt's characterization of Eddie Jessup. I, I, to me, he's supposed to be depicted as the mad scientist. To me, he was the sane one yes. and everybody else was just kind of unaware. And, and, unaware. The, and the Mason was the bitch, right? The, the, the obstacle all the time. I, oh, I, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I never thought of that. There was, I bet Patty Chayefsky, you know, the kind of writer he was, it was from his novel. I'll bet that was on purpose. It had to be. I would assume so. Mason. I mean, yeah, exactly. Truly. Fuck the Indians. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a member of the, this. <laughs> exactly. But there's an image in there that I equate with archetypal things in my mind, maybe from a dream. Okay. And that's when he's having that weird hallucination. And his head goes big. Uh, all that well before that mm -hmm. where he sees uh blair brown and him sitting at that table wearing all white and she's kind of in a victorian type of dress and she's feeding him ice cream on a long spoon mm -hmm. yes mm -hmm. now when i saw that um that when i first saw the movie that one kind of i can't describe it because that's something that's in my in in my blah, blah, blah. see. I can't even say it. It's <laughs> there. It was so archetypal. There's something about that image, and I've tried to find is that some type of universal image? Um, is it the 
you know, the, the feeding mother, nurturing mother image or something, but it's a woman in white. I even wrote it in my time travel novel. I have a scene where this one character is feeding the main character a taste of her ice cream on a long spoon because that image um, for some reason is there. Yeah, it's very potent. Do you think there's any connection to that, to the, um, the boardwalk-like place in Utah? Saltair Pavilion. The Saltair Pavilion. Thank you. <laughs> it's it's where Carnival of Souls was filmed. Oh really? Yeah, which is so <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> well, I didn't know, I yeah. didn't realize that, but I was talking more about the Victorian era and how. Oh, oh, I'm your whole I'm, carousel experience. Yeah. yeah, I respond deeply to that era, um, and it it has to be you know um, the. And this, uh, okay, the, I'm not trying to go into the level of what my fetish or kink is, but there's something about a blonde British woman in all white like that. And the only thing I can think of that might have planted that in my head was one of my favorite films in childhood was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> Mine too. That was a, that's a fun film. So mind controlling. Chitty though. Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Whoa, hey, uh, Joseph Farrell, you're familiar with him, yeah, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay, he and I have outlined something about Chitty Chitty Bang Bang that we're going to write together. Cool. It's going to knock your socks off. But, uh, <laughs> but didn't and, that uh, involve like Raul Dahl or Ian Fleming? One yes. of the two was in it. Ian Fleming wrote the book. Okay. The, the movie departs from the book, but Ian Fleming was involved, mm. you know, before the movie got made, he was involved with, um, you know, where Cubby Broccoli produced <laughs> it was going to take. Interesting. I mean, even Goldfinger's in this thing, Gert Froba, you know. And um, oh, wow. uh, it was the last book that. Ian Fleming wrote hmm. his oh. children's book. And Joseph and I think there was some things he was conveying. And the movie actually spills more beans, in our opinion, than the book. Interesting. Check that out again. Yeah. Uh, I'll circle this back to Altered States. Wasn't that Ken Russell's last film or one of his last films? Uh, I think he did Lair of the White Worm yeah, after you're, that. You're right. Here's oh, another goodie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's the first thing I ever saw Hugh Grant in, and I think it's still my favorite. It's my favorite of his. Yeah, I'm not yeah. a fan of his, but that's yeah. a great film. Of the fact that he was in such a weird, uh, based on Bram Stoker, of course. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know what he did. Oh, he did, wasn't Crime of Passion? The, was it? That's a good film. That's Crime. a great film. Crime now, we're, we're talking about Crimes of Passion, yeah, the one with Kathleen with Turner. With Kathleen Turner, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. and all the wind chimes, and yeah. And, and, no, 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 that, oh, no, no. Oh, no, what about Body Heat? That's Body Heat. That's yeah. Body Heat. Oh, wait, that's Body Heat. Yeah, Crimes of Passion. I'm getting them confused. Yeah, so. Um, that whole era, I mean, that that last version of Cat People, too, with um, yeah, yeah. McDowell yeah. and all that. Crimes of Passion, though, had um, uh, t t Psycho Guy. Good God, I'm only 54. Anthony? Anthony Perkins, yeah. Yes. Anthony Perkins. Anthony Perkins plays a crazy priest in that. And Kathleen I remember Turner, it. Booker, yeah. That's I have not seen that in years. I it's but, I wrote it down when you were talking. It's going to be viewed here shortly. Yeah, it's that's some real Ken Russell there. But um I don't know what he did after that. He unless he did Black Widow with his ex-wife. If that was a Ken Russell film, I'm not sure. I will look it up Wait and find out. No, she, she's in Ken Russell films. She's married to the other guy. I get him mixed up. Um, Teresa, I think was her name, something. Anyway, 
Um, yeah. Ken Russell. What can we say? Big tits. He liked big tits. <laughs> That's what you could say. <laughs> like Hitchcock with the cool blondes, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Hitchcock's a whole other story. <laughs> Did you, Walter, were you um, brought into any religions as a young person? Did you come um, up with any of that? My dad was being of Irish extraction. He was Catholic. And my mother, being from the South, was, you know, Southern Bible Belt Baptist. And um, neither one of them really pushed us after we, me and my, my sisters and I, after by a certain age to really go if we didn't want to. Because he was Catholic and she was Baptist, the first church I remember going to was a Lutheran. Oh, um, interesting. <laughs> Neutral ground. And, and that was, you know, my Sunday school years. And then we started going to, it was usually Protestant Christian um, you know, depending upon the neighborhood we lived in. I remember we lived in Riverside. That was the first time I ever learned about a drive-in church, you know, like at the movies, oh. you pull in Sunday morning, you tune it to the radio and they're up there singing Kumbaya on their white shoes. And, I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah. Oh my and, goodness. Uh, to be honest, by the time when we returned to West Virginia, my sisters were into going to church because all their friends at school, I was beginning to on it and by the time we returned to california i was going into junior high my sisters would go to a methodist and that's when i quit going to church regularly now um, i am not an atheist by any means but i have not i'm not a member of a church i don't go to church um you know i'm the guy who you know, uh, God creates Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, you know, they're the first two people, Adam and Eve have son Cain and Abel, Cain slays Abel, and he's banished to live in the land of Nod from whom he takes a wife from the others. Well, <laughs> if there's only four people on earth, who are these others? Logic, right? yeah. So, you know, hmm, there's something going on here in the teaching of this stuff. Yes. And in the multiple... Um, uh, revisions on the scripture stuff that I think it's your duty as a possessor of a soul and you know all this um, as I believe we are I am or I think we are um, I think you have a duty to question the dogma and the uh, the stuff yes. like that you're taught and that's just my mindset so I'm somebody who believes in God has no trouble with Christ Mm -hmm. It's um, Christianity, a.k.a. churchianity. I got that phrase from Joseph Farrell. That's a, yeah, that's a great uh, phrase. Churchianity bothers me. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think cult works I mean, just fine. Yeah, cult. Are you by chance RH negative? Yes. Okay. Well, we, we just, okay. it's like. That your own oh, negative. your own negative? That yeah. explains the psychic. So am I. <laughs> we and share that. Love of red meat. From what I've okay. read, uh, apparently us O negatives are, uh, you know, carnivores. So. <laughs> when I when I do eat the um, steaks, I do like them rare. I've always ordered them bloody. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're tougher than I am. I, I like <laughs> yeah. it. I don't eat much. It's very 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 rare. But well, when um, I go somewhere and there's prime rib, I ask them to throw it on the grill and brown it up. <laughs> totally. Oh no, see see, I like it. I like it almost in its natural oh state. Okay. Um. So, oh, also, what sign are you, if you don't mind? Guess. What sign are you? I said guess. 
Oh, guess. Um, guess. Take a wild. Yeah. Gemini. Aries or Gemini is my guess. Well, you would think Mercury because of the writings. So that would be Virgo or Gemini. Um, I don't know. I'm sensing a little Taurian energy. I am Libra. Libra. Oh, Venus. Okay. So, yes. Lucifer. I, well, and so, why I said Taurus is because of Venus. So, I figured the earthier side of Venus instead of the other side, which is Libra. Mm. But I can tell you, and like your indulgences and pleasures, by the way you're passionate when you speak. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, we we can. I can Wait, did you eyes. follow me to Amsterdam? <laughs> I may have. That was liminal. Liminal. Um, okay, let's move into the dream section here. Yes. Uh, tell us. Tell us about how the landscape looks. So we'll get into. Um, I like to get into as much dream stuff as possible, like actual yes. dreams. Um, but let's first figure out or talk about how you dream. So it, black, it predominantly black and white, color, sounds, glyph. Can you read glyphs? All that. What's your experience of dreaming? Color. Sometimes color. Definitely color. Sometimes are more vivid, um, particularly the time I was on Garana um, unexpectedly. Um, uh, and I want to I want to get into that Garana uh, story. Okay. I didn't ask about psychedelics because I'd asked you in our pre-show, right. but we'll we'll tie into it. Okay, um, definitely color. Uh, my dreams are. I, I'll tell you, the last few years, just to answer this question another way, I've experienced. I don't know if there's a technical term for it. I don't know if it's technically a phobia. But sometimes in the last few years, I've experienced an anxiety about even going to sleep because oh. the dreams will be so vivid and I will feel if I'm in an aggravating situation, it, it, I'll, I'll come out of it sometimes mentally exhausted or, mm -hmm. you know, psychically exhausted. or just kind of like, ah, I don't want to experience that again. Now, I don't have what I would call nightmares. I just have aggravating situations that I, I don't really have nightmares. Um, and uh, I, another thing I don't have, I haven't even ever, I don't have sex dreams. I know ever? that's a common you said, thing. You just said ever? Ever. I mean, oh, the, wow. closest, the closest I've ever come is I'll see a naked female, I'll see her, or I'll see someone offering and mm -hmm. for some reason i'm like in a museum with a crowd of people and this is being offered that was one dream <laughs> I, oh, that's you know, interesting or for some reason i'll turn it down or something which is you know unlike you i find that particularly interesting from a a, a venus-based person too it, it, that's um and Jerry's also the same way. That's it's interesting. Oh, okay, it's, so I'm not the only one. We just don't <laughs> go to sleep lustful, is the way I look at it. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're that way at our waking time, so you know. Uh, you two are hilarious. <laughs> we got to dream about food and you know building things. I guess. You oh know? yeah, rogue operations, whatnot. <laughs> I uh, flying the flying thing, but more like a weightlessness floating thing rather than so floating yeah flying. i experienced like the floating like a bird not a beard what's it? beards don't fly that's that's got to be freudian in some way but um uh in fact interesting uh, the specific thing about the anti-gravity there's this thing i can do in my sleep 
that I do something with a heel, the way I tap a heel, it suddenly makes me buoyant and in uh, kind of like anti-gravity. And then I just kind of move along in a sitting position. And I, I've done this in numerous dreams and um, for what that's worth. Are those parts of your dreams enjoyable at least? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I love doing that. It's it's one of those. That's one of the things where when I wake up, I I think for that first few moments, it's like, well, I, I got to be able to do this in my waking state, right? Maybe that's what the dream is telling me. And then of course, you know, you wake up and you realize, yeah, you can't kick your heel and be weightless. Yeah. But it's so real in the dream that um, the other thing is, you talk about landscapes. D- do you want to go there, or did we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Take okay. us there. Um, in the last few years, I have been going to a place in my dreams, um, and I don't think I'm doing this consciously. It's just, oh, it's a dream about that place. It's a place where the architecture is, again, that um, Belle Epoque, um, late 19th, early 20th century, um, huge, elegant structures of brick and stone and glass and you know, leaded glass, you know, the huge windows. And when I'm inside the buildings, one of which is like this huge library, there's a lot of rich wood and, and mm. you know, carpeting. And, and it's just this elegance and classic. And, and then I'll go into this city. It all seems to be in the same geographical place, mm-hmm. but there's the place that's out on a huge wide open plain. And I see these massive buildings in this old style I just described. And, um, but sometimes I'll go into the city and it's always the same city. I mean, there's the same waterway going through it. There's the same bridge. Um, uh, it, it's, and I know I'm in the same place there, but I don't know the name of it. And it's a wonderful place. I love being there. Um, so this is this is actually a recurring place. It's familiar when you're there. Yeah, it yeah. has recurred. We're talking in the last um, three or four years. So it's a more, okay. So more recently, then more recently. Um, now, in in the past, um, and, and again, this is kind of weird because it it relates to some of my writing that I've done in the last ten years. But um, years ago, th- there's really two big dreams that you probably want me to share with you, and this is leading into one of them. So you want me to go into that? Let's yeah, let's do it. Okay. Um, do you need to uh, stop me if you need to take a break or anything or no we're good we let it flow yeah okay good um now in i have to preface this in december of 1979 um, i had been 16 like just a couple of months and it was on um either a saturday night it was a sunday morning that i woke up from this sleep i don't remember dreaming anything i remember waking up and the first thing I did was I looked at my hands, the palm of my palms of my hands, and I kind of inspected them. And the, my thought was, these are not my hands. Mm. And then I looked at the wall and I'm, I'm seeing the texture in the paint that I'd never seen it that way before. Now, you got to remember, I'm a nerd. I used to work for the <laughs> FBI. I'm a former federal agent. I've never even smoked weed. <laughs> Okay. Never. So this wasn't like, you know, and I don't drink, I'm real drinkers laugh at me, you know, about yeah. me drinking. but, um, uh, so there was none of that. I just woke up and everything was different. I got up, 
I walked through the house, I saw my mom, but was weird. What was weird was it was okay. That's mom to this identity, Walter, but I don't feel any connection to her or, Oh, there's my sisters or, okay, there's my dad. And then that night we're sitting there, they're all watching TV and, and uh, you know, I'm sitting there completely disconnected from there was a show in the seventies called soap. It was a comedy. And one of the characters thought he was invisible, Bert. And I like the joke. I felt like Bert on soap, like nobody sees me. I'm invisible. But, um, and in contact with aliens, Bert was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, but I just felt no connection. And I felt that the, the best way I can describe it was it felt like that classic, you're somebody else's consciousness in this body. Now, so wait, this was in, this was in waking life or this is in that. This is waking life. This is in waking life. I need to preface it because I had the dream that I'm going to tell you a year later. I want you to know what frame of mind I was in when this big dream I'm going to tell you about happened. Now in since then, okay, this is 1979. Remember since then I have come to a different opinion of what happened to me. Okay, Okay. but that's that's a different thing. But I just want you to know that I was in this suddenly intensely individuated state of consciousness, you know, um, awareness. So a year later, about 13 months later, it was January of 81. I came home from work, used to work for my dad, came home from work, took a shower, uh, crashed just to you know, take a power nap for about 15, 20 minutes, fell asleep, slept for probably a couple hours. And oh boy, I had this dream that over the course of 20 some years, parts of that dream literally came true. Oh, wow. Oh, I'm very interested in this. Yeah. When I talked with my mentor about it years after having it, he, he's a guy who seems, he knew more about me than he ever told me. And he's the guy that got me into my government career, by the way. Oh, this is interesting. Also 44 years in the intelligence community. Is this your mentor? My mentor. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when I told him about this dream and the parts that had come true up to that point, he said, yeah, you were shown, you were shown um, what you saw was several years ahead of your life. And he told me, he says, it'll happen again. Um, It hasn't yet to my knowledge, but, um, what it was is just a series of, as you can imagine, um, just one scene after the other of apparently mundane things that at times felt like they had a lot of emotion to them. Um, for instance, one of them was I'm driving a uh, my, my car, which at the time was a 64 and a half Mustang, and there's one identical to it that's white sitting in the carport in the dream. This is the dream landscape. And I pull in and I look at this car, this, this white one, identical Mustang to mine. And there's a, there's a dent or whatever on a fender and whoever pulled it in had damaged the car on the carport itself. That was just one thing. Mm. Now, um, six months later, I'm living in a different place from where I had this dream and we had had this, uh, th- wow, this, <laughs> it reminds me of another part of it, but what happened was in, in, in real life, I scratched my blue Mustang on the wooden column of the carport 
and I got out to see the damage and the paint was scraped off and there was white underneath. And that's when the dream image oh, oh. returned. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> and then I realized that the carport was identical to the one in the dream. And I had never seen this place. So at that moment, you're having that realization. Was that at all like a deja vu? I just want to interject. That. Well, yeah, it, it, you know, it was. And now remember, this is years before my uncle told me that what I had seen, that, that that dream wasn't really a dream so much as it was seeing 20 something years ahead of my life. Now, yes. uh, now after I scratched the car, I pulled out to to leave the uh, apartment complex to go do something. I had to do something. Now let's jump back to the dream for this next part. In the dream, in another scene, I am in this building that's like the really old uh, apartment buildings in Europe. And I come out and there's this uh, black wrought iron, you know, fancy fence like you see in Paris mm-hmm. uh, right there before, you know, you can get to the sidewalk from the entry of the building. And as I'm walking towards the gate, suddenly these thick rose bushes are there with thorns like in Sleeping Beauty, but not that dramatic. And I had to get a wooden board and put lean it up to the fence in the dream and kind of climb over these rose bushes to get over the black wrought iron fence, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, now cut back to real life. Six months after having the dream, and I've pulled my car out of this carport, and I go pulling up to the gate to leave the complex, and it was a new gate, and you had to have the card key not just to get in, but to get out. Mm-hmm. And I had left my damn card key up in the apartment, so I couldn't get out. So I'm sitting there looking at this black wrought iron gate, which I cannot get out of, <laughs> and I glance over to the right, and along the fence line, they've just planted rose bushes that morning. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. So, you know, I'm like, what the hell? Remember, at this point, I'm only like, I'm not 20 years old. I'm like 17 or 18 years old. I'm 17, I think. And, and I'm like, what the heck? You know, this is weird. <laughs> you know, after that awakening experience I had, you know, it wasn't the big shock that you would think it would be. So right. little things like that. Um, one of the most recent parts that came through, uh, came true, came through, true, whatever. That, that um, actually works though, right? It came through. Yeah. Um, I was in this building with a bunch of World War One era paraphernalia and mm-hmm. there was a winding staircase and I remember it was um you know the color of adobe but it was like a plastered walls that kind of thing mm-hmm. and um that was in the dream now 20 something 30 years later or whatever um around 2004-05 whenever my friend Greg Bishop um of Radio Mysterioso and, and he's a uh, author you've probably heard of um mm-hmm. when he and his wife got married they had the reception at the, I think it's called the 94th Aero Club or something like that. <laughs> and that's where the restaurant is and stuff. Um, I'm in there and I, and I go to go to the restroom and there's the curvy stairwell. And the oh, theme my. of the place is World War I aviation. Just like, <laughs> oh, in the, wow. and I, yeah, I'm going down these stairs. I'm like, what the hell? You know, this is just weird so um i i'm walking around a neighborhood in the dream okay here's the dream january 1981 i'm dreaming this in this dream i'm walking around this particular neighborhood okay years later in um 90 yeah in 1990 when i'm living in west babylon i'm walking from the train platform to where i live i turn a corner i'm walking down the street i'm like oh my god there's another scene from that dream and the same thing in Rudesheim, Germany. When I went to Germany, coming home from uh, six months in Saudi Arabia, the first time I went to Germany, 
I go to the little village of Rudesheim around, uh, you know, on the Rhine, a little ways from Wiesbaden. And I'm walking around in the vineyard area up there, turn a corner, and there's a landscape I saw in that dream specifically. Um, and uh, so Is there any common thread between all the, the hits, if you will? Oh, yeah, and it's wild, but I... I, yeah, I'm reluctant to go there. Okay. I, I'm just you don't curious. have to. It, it, it has to do with what I think happened to me in 79, what that was really about. Okay. And um, it, it's the nature of, here's the thing. I, so you said earlier that you now believe it is something else, and this is what you're trying to say now? Yeah. And uh, here's the thing. I am, and I believe rightfully so, I stand by it. I'm critical of folks when they come out and they make wild claims and they don't say, I think, or I speculate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because I think it's very important. It's not that I don't believe that what people would call wild is true or real. It's that when you come out and you say, I'm a time traveling commando who went to Mars seven years old. I am. Right. right. So and, and like conviction behind right. that. I'm going to throw I am. Yeah, the, the BS flag on that unless you can, you, you can present something. Yes, uh, I agree. Let me put it this way. My, my speculation and my thought and that thread you're talking about is in that realm of something I cannot prove. So I'm, I generally, you know, I'm reluctant to throw it out there. Um, but having prefaced it like that, Mm -hmm. you know that it is a speculation it mm -hmm. seems like it's safe then to to speak of it <laughs> <laughs> you know i want to hear it yeah, Walter. No, it's, it's, we could talk um, about it afterwards <laughs> perhaps you know what i'll tell you in private okay deal. if that's okay yeah deal so yeah, i'll tell you in private so connecting connecting this because this this dream you had with all these hits actually mm -hmm. feeds into when I talk about um, deja vu and for me, right, my deja vu experiences were always and still have always been tied back to dreams I had. I can pinpoint every single one. Now I may not have remembered the dream until the deja vu, but when right. the deja vu right. happens, I'm like. Oh, I had this dream, you know, I was like a little kid or whenever. Sometimes they're turning around real fast now. Now it's like every two weeks. Yeah. Um, and so had you had, so I, I want your idea on your, your speculation on deja vu. And a second part of this question is, had you had deja vus that before this dream that were not connected to dreams or oh, are yeah. your deja vus? Okay, so will you oh. go into that? Yeah, absolutely. I, from the time I was, um, the first time I remember this happening, I was in junior high. Um, I could, uh, I would look at someone and if I was able to look into their eyes or, you know, just kind of connect on their eyes, uh, I could, I, I had a sense that I knew them mm -hmm. or I would know them. Mm. And the first time it happened was with a, a buddy of mine from high school who we were both in scouts. And I remember a, 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 a jamboree kind of thing. Um, and he was in another troop and I didn't know him when I was in junior high, but I remember our troops were passing each other and looking around. And I remember, you know, we might briefly made eye contact. And in my thought was, I'm, I know this guy or I'm going to know him. And that's what it is, is I'm going to know him. And then of course, 
a few years later, we met in high school because he was one of the filmmakers in the theater department. And, and uh, I was interested in filmmaking and we became friends and we're still friends, you know, and uh, that was just one instance. But um, another thing, and this came in handy, I think, you know, more as an investigator, not that I did homicide stuff, but I'm able to see in people's eyes sociopathic Stuff. Yes. Some people I can look at their eyes and say, oh boy, avoid. Yeah. That person is a dangerous, scared animal on the psychological or dangerous animal on the psychological level. There's something, you know. And I'm were not you able only. to, Walter, were you able to, did you have that sense before you were trained to read people? Yeah. So you always kind of had that sense where you could read people. Yeah. Eyes are, um, yeah, the giveaways I, usually. Yeah, yeah for, I agree. But me, some me, people. And, yeah. Oh, and a light, a, a kind of a, a. It sounds cheesy, a melodramatic, but part of that is kind of a a dim glow that I'm not getting on the physical level, but in it's coming to me on another level. Now I have had a waking real life experience with somebody who glimmered their eyes at me. Will you yeah. tell us about that? Sure, yeah, if you want to hear it. It's not a dream. Yeah, but it this is it all kind of ties in. If you, you agree. Yeah, it sure, yeah, of course. I think so. It happened at my mentor's house. Now, this is an interesting house. You can look it up online. It's called the Pope Golson House. It was built in 1810. Jerry's um, on it. <laughs> yeah, my <laughs> uncle and my aunt, it was actually she owned it. It was in her family. And he when they got married, he refurbished it to uh, like 18th century furnishings and you know he refurnished it to what it was like in 1854 Mm -hmm. now i had told i had been told that the house was haunted and um you know all sorts of interesting things and my you know this mentor this uncle of mine is the one who he first started training me esoterically on on occult science stuff before he got me into working in the intel community Mm -hmm. which there's a foot stomper there but um (laughs) So this was one of his daughters. Now I'm walking from the grand foyer of this house through the uh, one of the where the large dining room is towards the kitchen, and she's sitting on a, a couch talking with a couple of other people that were there. And as I'm walking past, she turns silently, looks at me, kind of smiles, and I swear the the irises of her eyes um, were were twinkling silver and diamondy mm-hmm. and she just kind of smiled like she knew she was doing this mm-hmm. it startled me okay really startled me um uh, and i go into the kitchen my uncle comes walking in i'm like oh man you're not gonna believe what just happened and i told him and he nodded and smiled and then he proceeded to tell me the weird psychic things she could do when she was a child and um so that's the one overtly you know, on this plane manifestation of that, that I've seen, but as far as looking at people, I'll look at their eyes. And yeah. if I don't, if I don't sense or detect a light an inner light, yes, I generally am wary of that person. If they're yeah, blocking, agreed. if there's a darkness. Those are the NPCs. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I'm having a deja vu right now. <laughs> Me too. For real. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, too funny. 
So, so okay, it, um, for people that may be listening, I'd already asked Walter in our pre-little chat about psychedelics and um and so he, as he said earlier, uh hasn't done any of that, but he does have a story. You'll lead in here now, Walter. Sure, yeah. Uh, and and to be honest, I've never felt like I needed that. Um uh, I've not pushed my envelope the way yeah. my mentor wanted me to. Uh, so your mentor did want you to experiment with yeah. altered states like that? Not with not with psychedelics at all. Um, okay. He, he told me I could do this stuff on my own. Okay. Naturally. And um, he, he, he taught me things. He taught me the specifics about, for instance, how to raise a dead spirit and get information out of them. Oh, and excellent. Then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, those, but excellent that he's that kind of, that he yeah. was so an inclusive mentor like that. Did his oh, method, I was working for the FBI at the time. Did his method and, uh, work though? Uh, yeah. Sweet. Um, however, <laughs> however. Necromancy has its I, drawbacks, I understand. Remember, I grew up on horror films and he told me once when he was first teaching me, he got frustrated with me. He says, there's people depending upon you learning this stuff. He goes, you need to get over, he goes, your damn dad took you to those horror movies when you were a kid, and now you get scaredy cat. So I asked him when he's teaching me about this, I said, okay, how scary on the you know scale is this? <laughs> and he says, it can be pretty hair-raising, but... <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> like, oh, my God, but there I was. There I was. If you've lived on Long Island, you know that um, in, uh, in Kings Park, there's an old colonial-era cemetery. It's an old. I, I have not lived there. It's, it's on a hill. It's got the beautiful trees, and it's got the old, the old. Um, it, it's almost like slate type headstones, not even stone. A lot of them, but they're. I love those old cemeteries. Grass. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's just yeah. like something in an old movie. And there I mm -hmm. would be at night, Mister Scaredy Cat, oh. like doing <laughs> what I was told. Um, and I picked a particular person, deceased person, according to his instructions, and. Um, I never, I'll be honest, I didn't, I wasn't able to get to, uh, get to the point where I saw what he said I would eventually see, but I did do the thing where um, you take some of the so topsoil from the grave. Yes, you buy the soil. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you treat it a certain way till you turn it a fine powder. And yes. then what you can do is you can go to your doorstep wherever you're living and blow that powder out and do mm -hmm. your concentration thing and this person will come to you the spirit and um you can ask them questions you know if you need information about anything they'll give you now specifically i was told since i'm male to choose a female mm -hmm. and if you're a female choose a male um dead more than a hundred and some years i'd have to look at my notes and uh make sure i pick someone who had an english surname because even english back in those days was a little different than we speak right. so you want to be able to understand what they're saying and he also told me to bone up on my french since uh, at that time i was looking at people from the colonial era because french was the international language and he he told me something interesting he, he said also you got to pick somebody who died older than you are at the time you're pulling them up so if i'm 54 i can't go do this with somebody who died at 30 right did he give you a reason Why? for that that's so weird oh well i'll tell you it's yeah i, I I think that's what's coming next is the answer to your question. What happens is what he told me is the first thing I'd see would be a wisp of light. And then that light would begin to take shape. And what would appear before me would be their 
their skeletal structure, their, their skeleton. Mm -hmm. And I would, as I stood there and watched, they would reconstitute. Okay. The flesh, the dead flesh, they would, he said, yeah, it's going to look like, you know, they're a corpse, but then um, what would happen is they'd keep reconstituting until they became living. And then their age would adjust their appearance would adjust to your age. For instance, I was 27 or 28 when I was doing this. She died when she was in her 40s or 50s. She would attune to 27 or 28. So I, she would be standing there looking like how she looked at my age. It's like okay? a peer almost, yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, he said sometimes, of course, they don't like being disturbed. Um, and I won't even get into, well, then how was reincarnation yeah. in this? Because I'm a believer in that. But anyway, that's another thing. That's post-Horus. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, he says, yeah, sometimes they don't like being disturbed and they will try to freak you out and scare you, but you just hold your ground. And, and then they finally get around to, okay, you know, what do you want to know? And then, you know, you can ask them questions about things nowadays, not just past. And he said things to come which is real Dickensian. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, but he, for a while, there have been times where I wondered if the woman I was trying to pull up didn't actually attach herself to me because I've had some, I've been haunted by a female. Um, and you know, that can sister. happen. And, yeah. uh, but now, but I have reason to think this female is somebody else, not her. Okay. But, could uh, be a succubi, succubus. Yeah. Oh, and the dirt thing, what happened with the dirt I had, because I prepared it and I was, you know, imagine me, Mr. Scaredy Cat horror movie guy, you know, going to draw this dead spirit to my door. The light, You know, it's bad enough that I'm out in a cemetery. I don't want to bring her to my house. Right. But I'm following instructions because I'm a good soldier. But um, my. Uh, I forgot what happened with something happened where my now ex-wife didn't know what the dirt was, wondered what it was, and she <gasps> threw it away. Oh, no. <laughs> you know. That's a good way to make a spirit pissed off. <laughs> At her. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. By her hand. Mm -hmm. yeah, not me. So, the Gowana? Yes, the Gowana. Gowana. That was in 2000, I think it was 2010. And, um, I had, uh, I, I was at that age where I was experiencing, you know, the energy wasn't, you know, what I wanted it to be. <laughs> I didn't feel 25 and I did all through most, you know, my thirties and stuff. And, um, I, I love coffee, but I couldn't drink coffee anymore. Coffee was giving me, um, canker sores and I don't like those. Yeah. If to this day, if I love espresso, if I have an espresso within 24 hours, you know, a darn oh, canker interesting. And so I couldn't have that. I'm like, no, that's my body saying no more coffee acid. So yeah. I had yes. to find a replacement for coffee, right? Well, I found an energy drink that I actually liked the taste of. And I, for a period of about two weeks, I was drinking two of the tall boy cans in a 24 hour period. I wasn't like these crazy guys. But I was drinking two of these a day, and about two weeks into it, one morning I woke up, and oh boy, I had a case of vertigo. And um, it, it, I, I couldn't stand up for about four days. All I could do was lay on the couch, 
lunch and just drink water and eat crackers. And if I had to go pee, I had to crawl down the hall to the bathroom and then crawl back and just lay there. Now, what's interesting is um, the second night of that, I had an, an incredibly vivid dream, uh, singularly the most vivid dream that I've ever had. And I'm going to hit the pause can I let my dog out real quick? Yeah, absolutely. He's bugging me. I just go got for it. It was cool. Right back. Come on, buddy. Come on. That's what we were hearing, Jerry. No, I know. <laughs> I, I heard the dog running around. It's all good. So tonight, I, everyone, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, carry on, Jerry. I was going to say we're going to do live calling questions tonight. So we've, if you we've turned pro, <laughs> trying. If uh, if you have any questions for Walter relating to the show. Um, I'll be showing the, the phone number in a few minutes. You can come join our Zoom chat. Okay, thank you. He should, be, he should be good for the duration. Excellent. Totally cool. Okay, so just pick up where I left off, or do you? Yeah, will you, so are you going to move into that dream as oh, yeah, part right of the story? Okay, cool. Yeah, right now. So I had the, um, the reason I'm telling you about the Garana is later I looked, up to see what causes vertigo and guarana is one of the things that can cause vertigo if you have enough of it in your system wow i've only tried it a couple times i didn't like it i like you though i did have to leave coffee i went to tea regular tea yeah 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 i went to green tea and yeah yeah english breakfast i made my doctor so, give uh, me a prescription for adderall that works too oh, there you go. <laughs> so in this dream um it's really not that long there's not that much to it but um I'm in a desert, a very dramatic desert climate, and it's nighttime. I'm with a bunch of people, okay? The sky is just beyond description beautiful, starry. Um, the air is cool. I could smell it. Um, we're all headed in a – we're heading somewhere, like we're filing um, – and which reminds me of another dream we'll talk about after this. Um, and we're moving through this desert. And in the sky, there appear these, like what looks like an aurora borealis type of display of color. Just absolutely indescribably beautiful. I, I mean, I'll say that a hundred times, that it's words. But there was a musical sound. It wasn't a tune, it wasn't music, but it was musical. And that is the most amazingly wonderful sound I have ever heard sleeping or awake in my oh, entire wow. life. And I really, really, really want to hear it again. What now, do you think it was? Well, now. I'll finish the dream and then okay. I'll say that. Okay. So we're hearing this. And we walk to this building, this low, low, remember it's nighttime. So we see the outline of this low flat building and we all walk into it and it's, it's like a theater. There's this theater type seating with a low ceiling and um, it, it, the seats, everybody gets in there and gets in a seat and the seats face this, you know, this rectangular, um, you know, what you think is a screen, but Suddenly, when the doors close, this building moves <gasps> and oh. flies away. Okay, oh, wow. and we're not looking. 
screen, we're looking at what is either a portal or a portal screen, you know, as we're flying away. Um, I hate it that it sounds like a cheesy, <clears throat> you know, flying saucer dream. But it sounds like me, a Vamana to me. Willy Wonka meets um, Haunted Mansion. Or Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> to me, it was that sound, that musical sound. I'm not kidding you. And it's on the edge of my memory. I can't quite pull it up, but that is singularly. I hope that's what you hear when you die, because I, I want to hear that sound again. And I I'm not willing <laughs> to take ayahuasca and, and uh, ayahuasca and all this other stuff just to find that again. Yeah. Uh, I'm not even. I I avoid energy drinks with guarana. I will yeah. not. Because here's like what I did not drinks. like: Ugh. the vertigo. Yeah, I don't look. I want to hear that sound again, but I don't ever want to experience one second of vertigo ever again. I don't like the jitters and the way it generally makes me feel. Like I, that I don't doesn't feel bother me. But that yeah, vertigo. I know a lot of people do. The vertigo sounds terrible. This sound though is, um, I feel like I want more from you on that. I know it's probably indescribable, but. Yeah, I guess I just wanted more. I want to hear more. I feel like I have a connection to it somehow. Um, it is something that, you know, I'm sure a lot of people have have dreamed, you know, the, 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 the basic events in the dream. Um, what stayed with me was the, it felt so real. It, it, it is definitely one of if not the most realistic feeling dream that i've ever had that's how vivid would you call that one a lucid dream yeah yeah i'm not an expert on you probably know more the strict definition of that but uh, of what's lucid and what's not but yeah from what i know oh yeah i would call that lucid the same with the dream i had that i told you about that i had years ago that then came true you know little bits of it came true yes over yeah the amount of awareness well you did the classic thing which is you the first, i mean it's so classic to look at your hands and realize but you this was in your waking life but that whole yeah. identifying self is a big deal Wh whatever state of consciousness you're in wherever you are yeah i'm you will find that um i'm somebody who i very much oppose the idea of the collective hive. Yes. Um, I think I know that from your videos. Yeah. Individuation. Yes, uh, absolutely. That does not mean we're supposed to lack compassion. I, the challenge is of this existence is we are individual beings who are supposed to have compassion and connect with others. That's what this is about is as an individual still feeling something for other people and connecting with other people. It's about yes. individuation. It's not about being sucked into this collective yes. consciousness. Well, I you have a Jungian slant to you, for sure. I have a what? A Jungian slant. Union? Carl Jung. Union. Oh, Jung. Oh, Union. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sorry, it's my accent, whatever that is. No, it's so, my ears. Uh, Funky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, uh, okay, I, I want to go towards um, your remote viewing experiences as a yeah. state of consciousness, right? Of active imagination in human yeah. terms. Um, and are we going to come back to? Are we going to come back to a dream? 
We can do the dream, I guess, and we can move forward to that. So what, what would you prefer? Because I do have one more that you might be interested in. Tell it. Tell let's it, do the dream. Yeah, yeah. let's do you it. You sure? Yeah. Lay it out. Mean Lay it out, Walter. We have no time limit, so. Yeah, we're, okay. this is going to run long, and we're good with it. Okay. Yeah, I'm good for another uh, uh, almost two hours, so. Oh, then we're good. So uh, I have to go pick up my kid from work at nine, so I got to be there. At nine. So it's 10 minutes away, so I'm okay. good. Okay. Um, okay. This one happened in 2000. I had this dream. It didn't happen. Um, in 2014. And, um, it's connected with some of the research I was doing in a, a, some that I don't talk about, but, um, I'm in, again, one of those turn of the century type buildings, which I equate with a library that we have here in Redlands called the Smiley Library. It was similar to architecture in that place, but it wasn't that place specifically. Um, so basically what you have is um, one of those buildings where the hallways on the perimeter, if you know what I mean, it's enclosed, but it's yes. the hallways goes around the, the inner areas where the rooms are. And um, the, the corner of the building, of course, has a bit of a corner space where the two corridors, you know, come to meet like that. You can see the visual there, Jerry, you can see what I mean. And um, there was a long line of people um, dressed in, uh, you know, early, again, the late 1890s, early 1900s, maybe Edwardian type clothes, um, mm -hmm. evening wear, you know, the men were in black and white and the ladies were in the elegant dresses. And um, I'm standing in that corner area where the two corridors come together perpendicularly. And I'm kind of back, I'm not with the crowd, I'm kind of stepped back into the corner space watching them flow past me and they don't notice me okay they they're not at least they're not paying attention to me they're murmuring with themselves as they move from you know one direction to the other and along in the line i see these two older women who happen to be twins mm -hmm. and they're about <laughs> i would place them 60 somewhere you know around 60 years old they're very elegant. Again, twins. They've got the hair up. They've got the big hats. They notice me. Oh. They acknowledge me. They look and nod, the little smile. And as they move along with the people, they, and I say, oh, yeah, hi. You know, I don't say anything to them, but it's just this acknowledgement. And then they move on. Again, you know, they look back at me. And it was an approving look is what uh -huh. it was. Now, that was that part of that dream that I remember, and it had a whole lot of symbolism for me connected with some research I was doing um, on time mm -hmm. and, uh, and with some waking experiences that I had had, um, and it was very vivid. Um, and, and I just, I wanted to tell that one because it, it was a recent one and it was extremely vivid. And I think, for example, the ladies might have been not so much twins, but um, a splitting of one mm -hmm. individual. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, like a twin image of really someone just one. And I think the flow of people was the stream of time people you know these yes, were people that's how who, i picked it up as they moved through time and mm -hmm. i was standing outside the stream watching this and when the two the twin ladies came by and acknowledged me 
I looked at that as who they are or who she is acknowledging to me that I had figured something out mm -hmm. in my research. How, How did you actually feel? Sorry, Jerry, carry on. I'm were they you said they were dressed in white with ermine no, no, and no. white hats. In this case, they, they were they were just wide. Wide -E you know, the wide classic hat with the hair up and it was not, very elegant. It wasn't they weren't wearing a dark color. It was But not know. that ice cream on a spoon type dress. No. Okay, okay. No. Uh, -uh that that was truly scrumptious mm -hmm. from my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> I dropped what? some pictures of the library in chat so people had a a visual. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's that kind of architecture. There might be a corridor like that in that building, but there, just... there is actually. Well, it's not a corridor, but it's... <laughs> oh lordy. See how did it went? So in the dream, when they gave you the nod, what was your actual emotional feeling? Uh, I I was excited because when I realized after I woke up, you know, I thought about this. I'm like, oh my god, I'm right. I'm right, I'm right, I'm right about something I had figured out. And, and she was letting me know. With the nod, yes, absolutely. Yeah, she was letting me know, you're right. And uh -huh. um, again, what I'm right about is something that um, I, I cannot prove, so I don't go public with it. Yes. Well, oh, the juicy yeah, stuff. Yeah, you just did. Walter. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> the juicy and stuff. that sounds like a cop out, but it's just my ethic, you know. Yeah, that's Smiley Library there. Mm -hmm. So there's almost like a corridor along the edge there. Yeah, well, that that what you see to the right there is the special collections room, which I of course have been in in researching Empire of the Wheel. Mm. And um, yeah, they have their interesting uh, library with the swastikas yeah. too. Oh, oh, oh! Well, well, let me tell you how interesting the library is. Uh, the Smiley brothers mm -hmm. were twins. Mm. Oh, more okay. twins. Mm. They yes. were two twin brothers. They came from the East Coast, mm. and they they built a famous resort hotel that's in the vicinity of New Paltz in New York and upstate. Okay? Um, this particular hotel was actually the place Stephen King would stay at very often and was inspired <laughs> shining it wasn't oh, i the, totally yes not the overlook. Yeah, they say it's the yeah. one not in the, Colorado, not the overlook. yeah but no he stayed and the smiley brothers who built smiley library in redlands mm. twins definitely heard the that. guys who built that. he's so, made that clear yeah yeah and i'm yeah, pretty sure the, the twins of themselves made were like not the archetype but the inspiration for the twin kids i had heard him say too once the oh. girls Oh, I gotta, I gotta. I'll gotta try and find where I saw that. Yeah, like, uh, yeah it's, um, it's. A I love these connections. Interesting thing, but yeah, I felt confirmation about something very exciting. And then, you know, here's the funny thing: is is after that, um, the very next night. This is gonna blow your mind. The very <laughs> next night, I'm in Trader Joe's, and um, music does some stuff to me. It gets my attention. On my way to Trader Joe's the next night, the Tears for Fear song, Shout, came on. Mm -hmm. I'm an 80s, you know. Yeah. Kid, and, you know, I, I came of age in the 80s, and, and, you know, I've heard that song 10,000 times. But for some reason, it struck me, and I just didn't change the station when it came on. And what kept striking me was the lyric, uh, you know, Shout, Shout. Let it all out. Let, let it, it all out. out. Mm -hmm. Come on, I'm talking to you. That was <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm like, I thought, oh, there's okay. a message. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the message is coming through. Here comes a transmission. So I get to Joe's, I walk in, and this song starts playing. 
and just makes me feel giddy. And I'm walking around, I'm in the freezer. I remember this. I'm walking down the freezer section of Joe's and I'm kind of half giggling to myself, realizing, oh my God, I'm right. <laughs> the dream last night. Yeah, I'll tell you what the song is. It's a pretender song. It's the song Don't Get Me Wrong. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's a happy little tune. Yeah. Okay. I got home. I did my shopping. I raced home to look at the lyrics because, okay, I, you know, I, I wanted to see something specifically about um, don't get me wrong if I split like light. <gasps> oh wow and i see this is yes this is like the expression of what god is to me the synchronicity oh here well yeah yeah well that's not all oh it gets better (laughs) i had received the day that i had the dream the day before i had received a dream um in which an associate of mine seshari had done some analysis esoteric analysis of the film somewhere in time and richard I was thinking about that when we were talking about films earlier. And uh, I'd received this letter and he laid out a diagram of this theory, this thing he was talking about. Mm -hmm. And in the diagram was a particular shape. Now I received the letter with that shape, that image, the day before I'm having the, you know, of, of the, I'm sorry, I received that letter the day before and the night of the day I received it, I had a dream of the twins in the library. The next night I'm at Joe's, I'm hearing the song, which I'm connecting to the twins, split like light refracted. And I'm having this <laughs> feeling like, oh my God, I'm right about this time thing that we've been researching. Mm-hmm. I get home to look at the lyrics. I pull up the video. And when she pulls into the nightclub in the video, she pulls up, she reaches for, she, the, the theme is spies, right? What did I do for a living? Remember that? Oh, the yeah. Theme of the video yes. is the, the Avengers. She's a spy, okay? And so there's that. And she pulls up to this nightclub to the valet parking. And as she's reaching for something in the glove box, you see beyond her the neon light for the club entrance, okay? And it's the identical shape that Seshari sent me in the letter. It's a circle with a triangle inside. Oh See it? My. Yes. Okay. Then the next shot, I've never, she opens I never realized her book, that was there. her notebook that says where to meet, and there's uh. the shape in her notebook. <sighs> then the next shot is the valet putting the card under her windshield wiper, <sighs> and it has the circle with the triangle. Now, in the Seshari material, which has remained private until I've decided to talk about it tonight, <laughs> uh. Uh, this image works trifle. Fold. It appears in threes in the letter, and in the video, it's boom, boom, boom. The three One. right there, yeah. Now, why is this even more important? Because I, oh, I'm talking about stuff I said I wouldn't, but let's go balls out on this. What the hell? <laughs> let's go uh, balls deep. It's been years. Um, so, what the hell? The symbol being seen three times. Think of the number three. Think of triple aspect. Yes. I have figured something out. The woman in the dream was split like light refracted because it's she's not two, she's one. Yes. But she's also three. She is yes. Hecate. 
The 301. Yeah, Hakate. Yeah. And who just made a video about that today? I did last night, and I didn't see your yeah. RV video until today. With and, the three flames and everything. Yeah, and so here's this triangle in the circle symbol in this video. Three, you, I just laid it out. You totally get what I'm saying. Totally. I was being communicated to by her. Now, I've said this, and that part I haven't been so private on. I've said that when I started looking into this Empire of the Wheel thing, Hecate made herself known to me. Yes. I saw her image on a mountainside. I said this once before in an interview in 2010, and the trolls listening came at me so hard. that That's I when you're on to it. That I would never talk about it again because it pissed me off. I thought I was in a forum where people wanted to hear this, you know, in a mm -hmm. venue. And instead, what I got were a bunch of morons who just, just attempted to assault me. And you're right. I came away going, aha. Uh -huh. Yes, yes. <laughs> somebody. Now, I yes. didn't see her standing there. I saw her image like it was burned on the side of a, a mountain. Mm -hmm. And I was standing inside a sigil that I have found large, painted on the ground in a particular location. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, she's been communicating to me. And I figured something out about her. Um, and that's what I think the dream of her split image. Yes, yes. And uh, I think this waking thing where I was, I was pretty much guided by that song the lyrics in it to the imagery in it because that circle I had Walter I've never noticed that imagery before in that until Jerry Neither just showed I. it really basic civil defense logo too isn't it yeah it is yeah. but but it, it but they probably got it from some other oh, it's a cult it's old yeah yeah you know yeah, um, it's, it's masonic it's like square in the I have an extreme amount of goosebumps like on my head where my hair <laughs> yeah, is tell <laughs> and you know, I got to tell you, I, I, that song, I've always liked that song, uh -huh. but ever since that time, that song just, I just get, it sounds cheesy. I get these incredibly positive feelings like, you know, the, the powers turn to 11, you know? Yeah. Cause you're on the right path. It seems yeah. like to me when these things all click, it's like, I'm right on the flow. And a word on Hecate. Yes. Or however you want to pronounce it. In fact, I spell it with a K sometimes, but most of the time. Um, here's the thing. When I went into this Empire of the Wheel stuff, um, when, when, when uh, librarian Ann Walker introduced me to the Cora Stanton ghost story, and oh boy, uh, <laughs> after that, oh my gosh. Um, I only knew Hecate as that dark, scary goddess of the witches. And the oh, more and that's I just a thin layer. Oh, yeah. The more I learned about her, she is in no way a negative mm -mm, experience no. for me. Um, no. I, I, I'm very positive about the exposure, the experience I've had. And I have friends that say, oh, no, she's the scary thing. I'm like, you know what? Oh, no. You no. have to walk in my shoes to, you know. She has a good deal of sexuality to her that a lot of people really? don't want See, to. I don't like. get that. People don't, don't want a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. Well, because it's really? it's got a scorpionic um, aspect to it. See, I, to me, she's a she's a um, I, I'm very much an Athenist. That's the word I use. Um, my and of course, we know Athena has Hecate yes. connection there. Uh, yes. In fact, when I saw Hecate, it was in what I call her Athena 
I mean, what I saw was Athena on the side of that mountain, but you know, the owl was on her shoulder and, and yes. you know, naturally it's, it's another form of Hecate, but, and my uncle is the one who guided me to that. Um, so uh, I, for me, because I don't see Athena sexual in any way. Um, and for, for me, Hecate isn't for me, um, but she's a multifaceted entity. So, well, see, I don't see her sexual in a way that people may perceive like Venus, right. Or Aphrodite. Right. Like okay. she's in a, she's a different kind of sexuality. She's like, um, dark womb in a way, like, um, like in the act of it's, she's almost like right there at an orgasm sexual. <laughs> So as opposed to foreplay, like the Borg queen kind of sexual. Yeah. Where it's, it's a, it's a deeper <laughs> level of sexual. Yeah. And, um, and I tried to present that in my video last night, actually. So I want to get into, let's move into, so we can, I want to definitely make sure we have our post Horus. Yeah. And since the time's ticking, I want to um, move into Yes. to your so rv connected to your experiences of dreams and deja vus are there similarities there in your experience of remote viewing i, I think the question is more like the differences between astral travel versus lucid dreaming versus oh. remote viewing or the similarities or the similarities um, i don't get a similarity with between dreaming and remote viewing at all um, for me, it's really a mechanical, yeah. um, it, it just, the stuff comes through. It just, yeah. it's like in RV, the data is, it occurs to me now again, um, my, in my overt direct introduction to Hecate was because of remote viewing. I remote viewed really what you would have to call a glyph. And, um, if I had some paper here, I'd, yeah, in fact, I'll, I'll show you the glyph. Let me grab a pencil. Um, I, I remote viewed a glyph that led me to St. Saint, Saint Catherine. Uh oh The Catherine wheel. Am I still on? Yeah, I hear you. You're a little bit choppy, but I hear you and I see you. So, Hello? Can you hear us, Walter? Jerry, can you hear us? I can, hear, I can hear you guys. Is it me or was it? It's you. No, we we hear you. Can you not hear us? Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Hang up and rejoin. Should I nod or shake your head? Should I go down and come back? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, leave me. I'm getting the, I've had more chills in this show, Jerry. I've had quite a few myself. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Just today, even before we did the show with you and I and our synchronicities with this. Yeah, I know. There were <clears throat> quite a few leading up to it. It was very interesting. Truly. Which, which is, is cool is because else. I love when that happens. When we, have, we invite someone on and then we start having synchronicities with them before the show. That's very interesting. It is. These are getting uh, more, more entwined. Um, yes, truly. Entangled, whatever. <laughs> they are entangled for real. Walter had to drop out. He's kind of come back. I hope. Yes, we are. 
So we want to we want to wrap up this section real fast and get to um, his ideas on, you know, death and where is consciousness, and then we'll have our post Horus. Oh, we'll do our we want first. Our Q and A, but we do want to have a post Horus with Walter. Like that's a really in, where we get into all this other stuff. I'm gonna have to log on to Facebook to talk to him. How's the chat been? I've not even been over there. Great. Everyone's, the usuals are here, plus some new people. Hello, everyone. I'm not in the chat, by the way. And uh, I asked if everyone liked the show, and everyone said it was great. Awesome. Madhu said best ever. So. Oh, yay. Yeah, Hello, we were clips last night. I slept through my alarm, so I missed it. I was editing that video. It was very important for me to get it all that in one day on that day. Super blue blood moon. Mm-hmm. I know. And there's <laughs> another fucking moon, super moon on, uh, at the end of February. There are two moons in February? It's, wait, super moon or blue moon? Did you... uh, I don't remember. But maybe it's another eclipse. Because blue moons are two in a, the same month. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, there's a solar eclipse on February 26th. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's Lindsay was in my video last night. That's her birthday. Mm. February. We're 26 babies. I'm also a 26. Everyone in my coven is a 26, actually. My coven. <laughs> oh, this one. Oh, I'm sorry. It's February 15th. Okay. 26 so was this. last year. Yeah. Where can we see it from? Not here. <laughs> South America, it looks like. Are you talking to Walter at all? No, he... No. Walter, come back. Come back, Walter. This is where we need, like, our intermission music. I, ha I have intermission music. <laughs> you should totally play our intermission music, Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to have us a new little soundtrack going. I have a, I'm working on a new intro. I'm excited. I'm excited that we have a number now. A number? A call-in number. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. I know. You are rocking it. <laughs> I found it. But you won't be able to hear it. Is it? On to the bottom. I wasn't planning on it. And does it, what, what, does it shine on the video that says um, intermission? Be intermission music playing. You're totally that sophisticated. What are you talking about? Well, not like on the fly. Oh, I gotcha. Here's what it sounds like. Oh, okay. <laughs> yes. So if people are um, 
on our call-in number, is it any charge to them if they call? Hmm. Uh, probably. Well, I don't know. So I, I mean, there... I don't know. Like, is it like a cell phone kind of thing, or is it like a one eight hundred number? Like, uh, I don't. It's even not eight hundred. It's not an eight hundred number, but it's in the states, so it should be free if you are in the states. Okay. Well, we have a lot of non, a lot of people mm. not in the states. They don't have an 800 number. They don't have an 800 number <clears throat> for calling in, so. Did I paste the link for the Eclipse for you guys? The Eclipse link. I'm not even daring to look over at the, switch over to the chat for fear I'll fall out. We're talking over the intermission music. Oh, are we? <laughs> God, I could take the time to make an intermission slide now. Dude, <laughs> this is hilarious. Wow, this seems like it was really affecting Walter's end to take this long to get back. There was some strong energy flow in there. Yeah, I know. Well, then he started talking. You know, he's, it's when he started talking about stuff he doesn't. Yeah, I know, it, I know, know, I know, I <laughs> know. But it wasn't about like government stuff. No, but it was still stuff that is generally kept private. That's that's <laughs> par for the course, is what I'm saying. That's that's not Minte for you. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't get freaky for you, we did a bad job. I know exactly. Or you were one of the first people we had on. Right. Yeah, we're in our flow. We've mm -hmm. gotten into our flow. Ant flow. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Yes. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm going to just be quiet. Oh, when Probably I get the slide up, we're we going sound to... like dorks. I know we do. Totally. <laughs> Intermission. There we go. All right. Do it. Now I can do it. We totally have an intermission slide. This is awesome. See how legit we are now, Jer? <laughs> <laughs> Except we don't really have intermissions. I know. Well, here we are. We're having like a first one. Actually, this show already went late. It was going to go late. Yeah. Turn off background and title. Is music not playing anymore? I have an hour of intermission music somewhere. Does, do you need to send Walter the link again? I know sometimes no, I need that. No, he found it without me. Yeah. Well, maybe just send it to him again. It's, it's in the, it's in our chat on Facebook. He just goes back to it. But he hasn't. He might be rebooting. It is Windows for all. That's what I was figuring. Yeah, I think that he's been um, in this, in our stream, everything has been smooth. But when I was in, while we've been talking with Walter, but when I popped into originally to um, say hello at the beginning of it, it, it was the, the screen was buffering. 
our show screen, the YouTube one. YouTube's been having problems all day. I've watched three or four live streams where it's just buffered continually. I wonder what that's about. It's about YouTube being fucked up, so it is. Yeah, Mary, okay, we, so we were just talking about... Is he back? Uh, we're still waiting on Walter to come back. I was going to say to Mary that um, we were just talking about that as he started to discuss Akate. I don't remember now, but it was... He's like, I never told anyone this, and... Wait. No, 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 no. Oh, shit.
All of this um, interference that wasn't, were people saying it was on Walter's end, Jerry, that went in the chat? Can um, a cell phone, a smartphone that's also on Wi-Fi do that? Interrupt? No, no, not really. I didn't think so. We got two or three of these devices in the house that never does it before. Oh. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if the other person in our interview <clears throat> is... Uh, and actively energetic. Sometimes these things happen. Yes, there's we, a there's we definitely build a correlation. Circuit. We build a circuit. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! Okay. Are we are we rolling live again, Jared? We are live. Okay, cool. Did, did right. you hear me yelling at my computer? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, did. but I didn't. <laughs> Probably heard me yelling at Facebook. Oh, I didn't hear any of that. Or uh, uh, Firefox. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, wait. Am I getting feedback? I hear myself in someone's. Maybe that's Jerry's. That was Jerry. That was me. Sorry, I was checking to make sure everything was good. All right. Okay, so let's slide into kind of the end of Nox Mente because we want to we want to get into the woo woo with you in our post horror show. Yeah. Okay. Oh, which we can do at another time since. This is going to go for wow. another half hour or so. Oh, I'm good for an hour. Okay. Oh, we'll, just, we'll see how things go. You know best what you're doing. <laughs> we want to talk to you for a long time. Yeah, we would definitely like to do another podcast with you and talk about woo-woo. The wild end of stuff. There's plenty of that. Yes, <laughs> that's our favorite. All right. So, okay, let's move into... Um, this is kind of the woo-woo of Nox Mente is um, what do you think, what is, what do you think dreaming is? What do you think that is ha actually happening when one is dreaming? It's a, okay. There's a spectrum of answers that possibilities there. Um, on the more mundane down to earth level, it's, you know, what they say, it's all that neural brain activity, which is, processing um 
things in your psyche that you do need to work out that classic kind of thing. Right. Um, and I think that that goes on, but I think there's also, as you move away from that on the spectrum, there are things, intelligences, um, entities, uh, things that communicate with us in our sleep uh, directly. Um, but also farther out on that spectrum, it may be that um, we're able to visit um, uh, other realities when this body's asleep, we're, and this is not original with me, but when this body's asleep, we're living who we are and what we are in some other reality, some other dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of a take your pick based on what your personal experience and personal evidence is. Um, well, okay. So what do you think? What's the, then what's going on with this, with wa- what we call waking life? In, in I guess this juxtaposed is, to that to dreaming. Okay, this is who we are when we're dreaming. This is their dream, but yes, it's real. I have always had a feeling of that. I, I, yes, I don't want to. Like I'll tell you honestly, one of these things I can't stand that's popular to do. We all live in the matrix, man. None of it's real. <laughs> that's some okay. woo we get into. The mechanics of reality might work in that way where you plug into stuff but what i'm saying is there's no virtual about it they're all real Mm -hmm. within what i'm trying to say here you know that place we go to when this body's asleep is as real as this is okay you can feel your hands you can feel the table you can you know it's that's just as real as this is yes just that's where you know because i think who we really are is our soul of course, not the body and the name in this world. Right. So. Okay. So, and and then that does kind of tie into so that the 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 state of consciousness that is death and after death, which I think would involve that whole what is the soul? What is so? Mm-hmm. What's the what is the significance or point of what is death to you? <sighs> and and for that term, you could tie it with birth, however you want to view it. Well basically to put it simply i'm one of those who you know the soul the mind the true identity the the individuated identity that you are uh is immortal just lives forever it's Mm -hmm. the body that dies so Mm -hmm. death is really just when the particular body dies and then what you really are moves on into the you know into another place until you enter another body or maybe directly into that next body. That's what what I think. What happens to the memories and experiences that you've accumulated in this life? They accumulate. I think some of the deja vu is, is, you know, it sounds cheesy, but, you know, not everybody was a princess of Atlantis, but you get the point. It's, (laughs) you know, when you have the deja vu, when you're, say, in Germany or Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's it's some of that past life stuff and it's, it's your, it's your mental eye cloud. It's your, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's your personal cloud. And, um, it, you can, if you can access it from life to life, you know, it can be very useful. So do you think that that Genesis of that, uh, that's the wrong way to put it. Do you think the cloud is DNA or external? 
I think the um, that stuff that's in that cloud, that cloud um, is is accessible through your brain, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, for all you, we know, it might be a file that's downloaded into the physical brain, like it, your brain's a thumb drive, mm-hmm. you know. And um, you know, so to that extent that it's physical or material, I would say it's, you know, whatever it is, it is accessible when you're in the physical. Sure. Well, I, I didn't mean it was, I didn't mean it um, physical, non-physical so much as um, uh, it, I, my thoughts are that uh, when you die, all that stuff gets written to your DNA. So your yeah. future lineage has access to it. So those... Yes, would emanate I I, from I your I know what you mean. Uh, versus yeah, I, I the cloud. Yeah, but I don't know, yeah. and then that could explain why so many people have a Cleopatra past life, if it's true, because mm-hmm. they're related <laughs> and they all have the same genes. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, another thing that has crossed my mind—it's—it's it's kind of along the lines of what you're talking about—is um, it could be the uh, the direct ancestral bloodline memory. In other words, mm-hmm. your great great grandpappy you know, went to Paris, you've never been to Paris, you go there for the first time and, oh, wow, I feel like Mm. I've been here. And what Mm -hmm. it is, is your DNA has carried literally Mm -hmm. the memory from great grandpappies all the way through your bloodline and it's in your mind. Exactly. So it's, uh, and and that's not the hive mind thing that I was talking about earlier. No, it's It's bloodline memory. It's a connection to your ancestry. I think it's it's something we've lost over a long time. I don't know how long, but for whatever yeah. reason. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail there. It's been no, that was it's not been derailing. reasoned out of us, is how they put it. I don't think so. I think <laughs> well, we know that. It's being stamped out of us. Yeah. But on, on the other side, so on the dream side, mm-hmm. beyond the on the deeper level of that, beyond the stuff that we process from here to get to the deeper level of dreams. Um, is there, do we feel a ripple on this? I'm using it. Um, this is, can be reversed obviously, but is, is there a ripple? Say that person that's lived that you that's living dies. Do we feel a ripple on this side in your waking life? Is there, if, how would that work? If, if on the dream side, who you are, your physical self died there. Do we feel a ripple here? Is that what you're asking? Yeah. Um, I don't see why not. And that could possibly, if you really got into it, could explain, you know, some phenomena that you could point to. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, it could explain why you quit dreaming about a certain place or certain things. Is because Absolutely. that you died. Mm-hmm. See, the important thing is, and again, not to sound cheesy or anything, but really I've come to, what's important is what you do here while you're here. And I see all of these things as tools to help you do what you're supposed to be doing here. This is why I think our memories of what we call heaven, which is really where all our, what we really are comes from. It's such a wonderful place that if we could fully remember it and visualize it when we're in this life, we'd all be killing ourselves, you know, 10 years into this crap, you know, 20 years into this crap, at least. I, why, why am I putting up with this when I know what real home is like? I think right. we get bailed because there's a reason we take on this physical 
thing, you know, that we're doing. And sometimes it can be exciting, the weird stuff. And we, you know, because it reminds us of what we really are. And what that stuff is supposed to be is a toolbox for us to apply to each physical life. That makes any sense. Yeah, it totally does. So if we look at like the nowness that, you know, the right now, the harnessing that, um, and if it's always right now, how do we parse out these separating aspects, especially coming from an individuation um, perspective? How do we parse out that I'm having an experience in dream, I had an experience yesterday and 10 years ago and 30 years ago, and I'll have an experience, there'll be the now in 10 years. How do you see all of that, the mechanics of that working? Like, why would you see it now before it happens? And what do you do with that kind of thing? Is that yeah, I mean, just that, like, if everything's right now, if, if, if the power oh. is to focus on right now, do you know what I'm saying? I'm not sure what you're asking. Uh, I'm not sure how to convey it. I talking about Jerry what, would. What, I'm, I think what you're saying is um, how, okay, so well, <laughs> getting back to like how I think of what dream dream is when you go into this dream space, you're in basically a nexus from where you can branch off into many places. You might not be conscious of that, but those other places could be those other lives that you're speaking of. And I think what Nish is asking is how can you set your focus into one specifically and stay there? Is that it? what you're saying? Basically, yeah. How do you harness now in all these other places? So, Can you? Can you even pull in attributes, features of the other use? Oh, okay. Right, let me see I, if I think. Are, are you asking is it possible to, if I don't want to be this guy and endure this life for a while if i decide i want to consciously embrace yes think okay. like somewhere in time i mean it kind of relates yeah, to okay. that exactly. think oh, billy yeah. pilgrim think billy pilgrim um <laughs> okay here's what i think on that I, I think we do that during the waking phases of that other life see we do that when we're asleep here we're already doing it when we're dreaming we're in that other reality, um, but we do it when we're in the sleep state here. So in other words, theoretically, according to what, or hypothetically, according to what I just said, um, you can't do both simultaneously. So in, and if we use um, somewhere in time as kind of our template, yes. um, which is a good template. Um, yeah, Matheson knew something he wasn't saying. It's profound. And I've, I've always been really deeply moved by that. Is, is um, that the one with McDowell or with uh, Reeves? Christopher Reeves. Okay. Christopher Reeves. Yeah. yeah. And Jane Seymour. Mm -hmm. um, if it's the, when he sees the penny from modern day and it takes him out of that yes. experience. Right. Yeah. Is, oh man. I'm trying to figure out how well, to now, ask. Now, remember, remember, he traveled in time in the timeline of his own dimension. Backwards, he did not jump yeah. into another dimension. He traveled along the timeline of his own dimension. That's yes. different. Carried by the energy of the room he was staying in, if I remember correctly. Right. And lining up everything the of the place and time he wanted Actually, to be. Actually, the key is desire. And yes. not, just, not just the desire to jump into time 
the, the whole reason for that, as nice as it is, and I know the ladies love that movie, I love it too. But the romance, Matheson was using that as a device to uh, demonstrate that the desire element that allowed um, Richard Collier to jump through time has to be stronger than just the conscious desire to want to jump through time. There had to be some extreme intent. Yeah. And that was the romantic, the reason for the romantic story, the falling in love with the least, which was secondary to me always definitely secondary. Yeah, you, I was, get you, you understand yeah. that there's something deeper going on with that film than. Yeah. Just- yeah. I understood they needed to sell it, you know, which don't get me wrong. That's as romance movies go. That's one of the best. You yeah. Know, oh, definitely. You, you can't not, you know, enjoy that part of the story, you know, but there's so but this is deeply so for example when i'm having a deja vu and i can relate yeah. it to a dream that i had had yeah. there's there's this experience during that awakening moment because the deja vu's feel like so awakening you're like they're so yeah. visceral and i am constantly trying to put when i li- literally want to breathe it in and push through it like i like it almost feels like a portal to me, this is my experience of them. And like, I have an opportunity to maybe step through some sort of gate. Um, and, and so when I first saw that film, by the way, using that same template, I wondered, is this possible? Is it possible to, so it's the greater intent. Um, I guess, what are the mechanics here, Walter? Mm, um, I, <laughs> I have three letters from, as I said earlier, from Sessori that uh, get into detail his hypothesis of what the mechanics very specifically are. And it involves numerology. It involves that film. Um, I don't know if you realize it, but there is big time um, Isis Osiris symbolism uh, running throughout it. And these... Uh, Oh, I'm going to have to review it. I think I've overlooked that. Yeah. Well, it's, I asked uh, his son, RC, Mm -hmm. if um, when his dad, if his dad ever told him anything about somewhere in time involving um, Egyptian symbolism or whatever. And he said, no, no, he never. (laughs) It doesn't mean he he might not have consciously put it in. I mean, Uh we find that this. Right. Go ahead. You're right. No, finish your finish your thought. No, right. I, this is a specific interest of mine is uh, looking at the esoteric influence and storylines and plots and media because they tend to play out the archetypes tend to play out, or they underlie the main theme. They're there in a lot of things, and I think this is also right. what a lot of people call predictive programming, which to me is more echoes from the from the cloud, if you will. Right? They're they're overheard conversations that become thoughts or whatever and ideas, and they bubble up into, you know, somewhere in time. Yeah. And, and, and that is a very good point is it would be very fascinating if, if he were still alive and I could ask him if he was doing this on purpose and he said, Oh no, not at all. And if you pointed it out to him, he'd probably, you know, go, wow. Right. It's right. There. It's yes. So it's do you know real. where he's buried and can you get to his grave oh. dirt? <laughs> <laughs> A little gopher dust for that. They, they, they have to have been dead for a hundred years or more. Ah, too bad. Um, although, boy, that makes me realize I could get my answer on Cora Stanton and my at a place theory. She's been dead 102 years. 
Mm. What about Walter? <laughs> what about okay? So if we think about abilities, abilities yes. we have in what, and of course I think we this is all kind of democratic. We're agreeing on parameters of reality mm -hmm. somehow that holds the gravity. So uh, waking life abilities, I can't just tap my my ankle, you know, my foot and float. But in right. dream, I can, you can. So what's the difference therein if we're, this is all kind of, we're all in the dreaming at all times, in a sense. Why can't we do some of these more fantastical things in what is considered waking life? Because in, for some reason, in that particular dimension, we're apparently able to. Now, there might be some things we do here that we're not able to do there um, that we would think, you know, what? that's pretty mundane, but maybe there's something I can't think off the top of my head, which makes, you know, your point. What the heck? Why, why does it seem like we're so conscious in this boring reality? I know. <laughs> when I all know. these other dimensions are doing this stuff, gosh darn it. <laughs> You know, um, and, and are those um, aspects of ourselves? Uh, I think one of, I don't know if, if Nish made this point to you that that we both feel that everything's happening now. It's all simultaneous. If there's past lives, they're really simultaneous lives. Time is kind of an illusion for those other dimensions. Oh. Yeah. You know, it's all happening now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Time is well. Here's the thing: it's um, measured time that we all agree on. It's That's nonsense. the clock. And the hours that's the only time that's not real yeah it's mm -hmm. fake you know that that's we agree upon that so that we can make appointments so we can carry out the, the business of our organized reality okay but time itself well this this is one of my favorite topics you're getting into uh we'll, we'll save uh, save that for after because we're, okay, we're running we'll late i do want to talk about it yeah nish do you have any more questions no, that, so we'll we'll wrap up Knox Mente on this and see if Jerry's got questions. Let's from. see if anyone has any questions. I could put my cool call now thing on. Now. So we can dig into all this. If you want to ask a question regarding the show, please call the number on the screen. <laughs> you have three minutes, and I'm out of here. Uh, we tried this last week and nobody tried. It's it's cool. Did you write that down, Jerry? Though what we what Walter was just getting into, so we get time. into that. Yeah. I I remember where we're at. You know, I just realized um, I got disconnected just as I was going to show you the glyph. Oh, that's right. Yes. <gasps> you were drawing. Did you it. do it? Did you draw well, I drew it? I it, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I'm very superstitious sometimes. It's so that it might happen again. I want to see I'm it though, Walter. Maybe I'm not supposed to show that glyph <laughs> because it led oh. me to St. Catherine of Alexandria directly. And then right. that led me to understanding that, you know, this is bullshit. There was no Catherine of Alexandria. This is the bio they give is Hypatia, a very historical person. Yes. And what's going on here? And then I discovered through the symbol of the wheel that St. Catherine of Alexandria never existed. She's the syncretized Hecate. And the, the church church sources admit, yeah, there was no St. Catherine of Alexandria. But she's Hecate because the wheel. I would love to see the, if you'd even email it to me. Maybe it just would want to be on the air. Let's right try now. it. 
You'll never yeah, get it. You'll never get you it. You see it? Yes, oh, I'm yeah. looking. That looks like a sigil I made. See the butterfly at top? See the wheel yes. down below? And the axe head? Now, St. Catherine of Alexandria in the BS story, um, uh, they attempted to chop her head off, and the axe broke. Uh. Before they get, so they, they were going to put her on a uh, what's called the wheel and break her limbs. And the Hence wheel the broke. Catherine wheel. Yeah, and, and of bad. course, the, the phrase, breaking a butterfly on a wheel. So you see the it, butterfly, you see the wheel with the axe in between. Yes. It. You know this what it strikes me as? A key. Like it looks like a Walter, it, it looks like a key. Yes, it does. But And what is a glyph in a way, but a key. So, yes, that's absolutely. Your, it's very literally like a key. Hmm. Amazing. That is, that's pretty amazing. So I didn't yes, know all yeah. this about the Catherine wheel. Actually, I'm not that well read into it, and I haven't read your book on that. Your what do you have? Three books on it or something? Oh uh, well, Empire of the Wheel is investigating that mystery, and uh, Hecate's part of it. And in the first book, Rick and I have a co-author in the first book. We get into the whole Saint Catherine is Hecate. Okay, I'm gonna have to get those. Was she the one with the horse? No, it was Catherine the Great. Jerry, you roboted on me. I was, it was Catherine the Great I was thinking of with yeah, the horse. Yeah. All right. Well, um, Walter, thank you so much for joining us. Do you have anything you'd like to impart to the audience? Like yeah, what but, you're doing, what you, where they can I, find you? I've got all your you links heard, in the – sorry. When you heard me uh, yell at my computer, was that on air? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> last thing we heard was um, – can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So your website or anything like that, anything to plug? Uh, yeah, my books can print on demand at lulu.com. And um, I have a YouTube channel, of course, Walter Bosley yes. channel. Just look that up. And I'm on Twitter. And, and Twitter is where I make a lot of philosophical statements while I'm having coffee in the morning. People tend to like <laughs> We do. Excellent. We do. <laughs> yeah. And I've put all these links in the video description. So no need to look for them. So, so Walter, stay on the line. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Walter. Thank you, everyone who you. listened and put up with our intermission music. I know it was hideous. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Join us next week when we have Graham Dunlop from the Grimerica Show podcast. So thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time.